Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. So the end of the last hour, I mentioned this Emily Drabinsky person. She is the president of the Allah, the American Library Association. And peace be upon it. And she says, I was excited to highlight and celebrated to, uh, to celebrate two aspects of my identity. When she, was, when she became president, she was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that a Marxist lesbian like me could lead the Library Association. And everybody else was like, really? And she says she was super excited to let everybody know about these two important aspects of her identity that are often under a lot of scrutiny. She said, okay, really? Lesbian? You think that's under a lot of scrutiny? Really? Is there a lot of anti-lesbian sentiment in in the library industry? Really? Now, the Marxism component... Actually, yeah, probably not a lot of either. In, yeah. Um, shortly after becoming president of the Allah, peace be upon it, Drabinsky marveled at her unlikely candidacy in comments that divided librarians and legislators across the country. Quote, I just cannot believe that a Marxist lesbian who believes that collective power is possible to build and can be wielded for a better world is the president-elect of Allah Library. Wait, that's their Twitter handle? Wait a minute. The American Library Association has as its Twitter handle ALA Library. What are you guys even doing over there? American Library Association Library. That's your name? That's what you went with? Because you know the acronym, it still has that L in it, right? Why not go with like A Library A or something? Or American Library ASS. Okay, well, don't do that one. But like there are other permutations you could have done. ALA Library. That's like saying ATM machine. You're librarians. What is wrong with you? Oh, Marxist. Okay, never mind. She uh, she says in, in this tweet, uh, I am so excited for what we will do together. And then she does the solidarity. <laughs> and then she deleted it. <laughs> she took the tweet down. Because she says, I believe collective power is possible to build and then to wield collective power for a better world. Self-avowed Marxist in charge of the Library Association Library Association Library. Drabinsky's remarks led Republican lawmakers in several states, including Illinois, South Kakalaka, and Arizona, to demand their respective libraries withdraw support from the Allah. Quote, the minds, hearts, souls, and bodies of our children must be protected. The use of taxpayer funds to subvert the traditional family unit, which is the core of our national identity, will not be tolerated. Marxism is not welcome in Georgia, said the state's Freedom Caucus. 
in a typical message following Drabinsky's disclosure. So she told NBC News, quote, I didn't anticipate these kinds of targeted attacks being used as a bludgeon against library workers across the country. Wait, you said solidarity, Drabinsky. What do you think that means? You don't get to come out as a Marxist and in doing so, you know, claim credit and surprise, but also validation that, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that a Marxist could win this. It's so awesome. But she also said that it was really important because these two aspects, I mean, the lesbian thing, but also the Marxist thing, so often under a lot of scrutiny. So you know you're under scrutiny. She says it, that this component, this characteristic of hers, this this aspect of her identity where she would like to put on the jackboot and, you know, crush your windpipe like that, like she's all in on the Marxism and uh, she knows it's under scrutiny. And then when the backlash comes, she's like, I can't believe all the scrutiny. It's just amazing to me. And now, I can't believe that they're punishing all of the people that I was standing in solidarity with. Because that's sort of what you said. You you were like, solidarity, wield all our power. Okay, well, you know what? Let's get rid of your power. <gasps> I can't believe you took away their power. I was just standing in solidarity with them. Yeah, that was kind of the point, Drabinsky. She called it regrettable, and she wished it wasn't happening. In early July, Montana became the first state to move from rhetoric to reality when a seven-member commission representing its state library commission voted to withdraw from the Allah. By the way, this was the group that Barack Obama sent a letter to the nation's, quote, dedicated and hardworking librarians um, with a link to the organization Unite Against Book Bans, or UABB, or UABB. And uh, this was an organization that was actually spearheaded by the ALA Library, which was then hosting a rally in Chicago. The event was headlined by, do you want to take a guess? I mean, there are a couple. But do you want to take a guess? Middle name X? Yeah, Ibram X. Kendi. He's the, right, the guy who said the only remedy to past discrimination is present discrimination. And the only remedy to present discrimination is future discrimination. So there's just always going to be discrimination. So there you go. That's their keynote speaker. Yeah, everybody needs to disassociate from the Allah. Peace be upon it. Um... This is why I love this idea what Kirk Cameron's doing. He of the... Wait, what was his show again? He hasn't done anything in a while. Family? No, that was Alex Keaton. Or Michael J. Fox. A.K.A. Teen Wolf. Growing Pains? Or Silver Spoons? No, Silver Spoons was Ricky Schroeder. Different Strokes. No, yes, Different Strokes. No, Mel's Kitchen, Good Times? No, I forget. What was the one with Raj and Rerun? What's happening? What's happening? That was it. Kirk Cameron. Right, right. What's happening with Kirk Cameron? Um, he is now, uh, he hasn't done any acting, I don't think, in a while. But he's now become an author. Did you know this? He's writing all these books. And so they organized a, um, they organized a book reading deal. Thousands of kids and their families attended his event. It was called See You at the Library. 
hundreds of libraries across the country. This was, uh, what, not this past weekend, but it was the first weekend in August. And families rallied at story hours in libraries, participating in Cameron's C at the library event. It was held in coordination with his faith-based children's book publisher called Brave Books. 300, 304 story hours happened across 46 states. The participating libraries included uh, Madison Public Library in Huntsville, Alabama, which originally canceled its participation due to capacity concerns. It, however, reinstated the gathering to allow 225 people inside, which is the capacity limit for the meeting room. Cameron read his faith-based children's books, which uh, one is called As You Grow, another one is called Pride Comes Before the Fall, and Riley Gaines actually spoke at a few locations as well. Um, What was this? This is... uh, Kirk Cameron said, so I thank God they are here. We welcome them. We want to include... He's talking about the protesters. Because people showed up to protest this. People showed up to protest Kirk Cameron reading books that are about loving God, loving families, and loving America. Ah! Outrage! How dare you! So objectionable! This is... Like, this is like a lap dance. Well, no, because they, they would support the lap dance. This is objectionable material to these leftist moonbats. <laughs> Cameron previously told the Washington Examiner that he hopes to continue to grow the movement of families reclaiming traditional values and biblical morals. And as part of that mission, Cameron said he's currently working on a third children's book that will focus on how one can show love to those who disagree with you or might consider you an enemy. I actually had this idea before Kirk Cameron did. I mean, not about his books. I mean, look, it's not important whose idea it was, okay? It's amazing how much you can accomplish when you don't, you know, no one is not, when people aren't interested in taking credit for the idea. So I'm not taking credit for the idea, mainly because, like, I didn't tell anybody about it and I didn't do anything about it. Although I did actually mention it to Brett Winterbull, who's on 3 to 6 here on WBT, and I said, you know what would be an idea here when all of the drag queens were doing all the story hours and stuff a couple months ago? Um, I said, we should try to do like a, uh, a reading of Rush Limbaugh's books. Like the, the, the horse. Yeah, yeah, what's the horse? Revere. So, I'm drawing a blank on it now. But the, it's not Paul Revere. Right, but the, he wrote the whole, like the book about all the founders and stuff. He wrote a couple, like, and it, oh man, it burned up the lefties when Rush became the, Rush became like a best-selling children's author. Oh, my gosh, it angered them so. Like, we could totally do that. But I only mentioned it, like, on the way out the door one day to Brett, and then we never really revisited it. So I guess Kirk Cameron can have the idea. It's fine. Good job, Kirk Cameron, from from uh, different strokes. No, good times. No, what was it? It was Growing Pains. All right. Growing Pains. Was that the one with uh, Alan Alda? Alan Thick was the father. Right, right. No, 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 wait, that wasn't... Okay. All right, I, I don't remember. Got a message here. It's a Pete tweet from Gary. 
So many of these leftists are shocked that people outside of their bubble don't agree with them. On the one hand, they are constant victims, and on the other hand, they are shocked people disagree with them. <laughs> That's a great point. It is this disconnect, right? Like, yeah. Like they, I'm on the outside. I am oppressed. I am the victim, but I can't believe people disagree with me on these things. Really? How would you not? How would you not know? You're the victim. They obviously disagree with you. That's part of your part of your victimization. Um, then there is this Carol Markowitz. She is a writer at the New York Post. She has now a, a new book out called Stolen Youth, and she did a. Uh, Tweet storm, what well, what then became known as a threaded tweet or a, a thread, and now I guess it's an it's a it's an X thread, it's an X storm, storm X, thread X. I don't even know what you call it. Elon Musk, change it back. Okay, um, she says I spent the last few months traveling a ton for uh, the book Stolen Youth, and I have had many 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 conversations, mostly with conservatives, about topics covered in the book, but also generally what's happening in the world. So here are some of the observations, she tweets. It's very hard to get parents of boys, even among conservatives, it's hard to get the parents of boys to care about trans issues if a biological girl wants to play sports with the boys or sleep in their son's bunk. They largely see it as her problem. A lot of people told me they won't be voting anymore. They don't trust the process. Many people told me they won't continue vaccinating their kids. And many of these had done the early years of shots, but now will not do any more. They feel lied to about the COVID vaccine, and they don't trust anything coming out of the health agencies. Also, many families have fallen out over politics, and COVID especially was a huge factor. I heard story after story about families broken up over masking or vaccines or not taking it seriously enough. But nothing is a bigger factor in family strife over politics than woke brainwashing on college campuses. She says, I heard story after story about kids who no longer speak to their parents after going away to college. People in red states largely continue to feel immune from blue state problems like indoctrination in schools. But I did speak to people in places like Deep Red, Arkansas, that are fully aware that the woke virus is coming for them, too. Right. It is it is a religion. It is an ideology. It has a set of beliefs. Right. It has mantras that you have to state. Right. It requires you to uh, confess. Right. Oh, there are also indulgences that you can buy. Right. You could do that, too keep you out of the cancel hell, especially if you're a corporate entity, right? You just do a couple of training sessions and the like. Maybe do some marketing campaigns aimed at certain, you know, protected status groups or something. There are all sorts of ways that you can uh, comply with the religious tenets, right? But it is, it's a religion. Some people call it a cult and yeah. Yeah, it is that too. It actually has all the hallmarks of a cult. I I was being charitable. I wonder if wokeism, can you get a, I guess you can get like a charitable designation for your church in that regard. I guess that is, yeah, just as a charitable organization, 501c3, yeah. 
All right, more on that in a minute. First, let me tell you, the Heritage Life Skills event was fantastic. Every year, Bill and Jan Sturette organize the event to help people get educated on how to be prepared for anything. The Sturettes own Carolina Readiness Supply, 2,000 square feet of supplies and educational materials you'll need for any kind of emergency. Food, water purifiers, lighting, tools, first aid kits, instructional materials, camping and hiking supplies, because being prepared is just smart. The Heritage Life Skills event brings education and vendors from all over to help people do just that, I was honored to be able to be a small part of it. And whether you're an experienced prepper, have no clue what you're doing, or maybe you're somewhere in between, Carolina Readiness Supply can help you in Waynesville and always at carolinareadiness.com. Veteran-owned Carolina Readiness Supply. Will you be ready when the lights go out? So along the lines of the ALA Library Association of Libraries um, and their new Marxist president who can't believe people would be so upset about her, you know, Marxism. Um, A senior official in the Biden White House asked the Department of Homeland Security to share any department programs that could contribute to the administration's response to a letter from the National School Boards Association about threats against school board members. That's a very... Lengthy sentence written for the eye, not the ear. So let me break it down this way. The National School Boards Association, remember the NCS, sorry, the NSBA or the NSPA. Remember they were, they sent out that letter and they were, oh, so terrified of, you know, angry parents speaking at public meetings of school boards right after the Loudoun County, Virginia uh, school board meeting where a father demanded answers for why his daughter was sexually assaulted by a a kid in a skirt, a boy in a skirt who was claiming to be trans, who had a history of violence and improper, inappropriate behavior. By the way, that student also then shipped off to a different school where he like he, he choked a girl and assaulted her in a classroom. Gosh, if only there were any signs. Anyway, the N... The N I keep I keep wanting to say NC, but NSBA, the School Board Association. Remember they they got the Department of Homeland Security to write that letter about threats and all. Well, it turns out somebody in the Biden administration asked Homeland Security for help on that. Show the the emails according to the Washington Examiner. The emails show communications between National Security Council Director for Counterterrorism, Michael Massetti, as well as DHS officials. The documents are the latest indication of the lengths that the Biden administration went to in order to respond to the School Board Association's 2021 letter, seeking some sort of you know investigations, like what, what can we do to help these people out? In an email dated October 1, 2021, Massetti, the National Security Council Director for Counterterrorism, Massetti said he was working to, quote, explore options to respond to the school board's letter and address the concerns raised by that group. A significant amount of the email exchanges between the DHS officials are redacted, but Massetti later re-upped his request a couple days later asked again, re-upped it, 
the same day that Attorney General Merrick Garland issued his infamous memo. There's a guy named John Piccarelli, the director of the Center for Prevention, Programs, and Partnerships, or the CPPPB. He provided Massetti with three relevant responses pertaining to the request. However, all of those are redacted, too. The school board association's letter and Merrick Garland's statement, right, touched off a firestorm of controversy when it was released as it compared parents protesting at school board meetings to domestic terrorists and urged the Department of Justice to investigate threats against school board members using federal anti-terrorism statutes. While the school board association ultimately retracted and apologized for the letter after, you know, school boards around America were like, whoa, 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 we're, we're getting out of this organization. Well, so they, they did retract and apologize, but Garland issued a memo establishing a DOJ FBI task force charged with investigating school board members. FBI whistleblowers later revealed that the agency had investigated parents who had addressed their school boards and had assessed these as uh, these parents as potential threats. There's an organization called Protect the Public's Trust, and the director of this group, Michael Chamberlain, told the Washington Examiner that the latest production of documents is further evidence that the Biden administration had mobilized counterterrorism officials to respond to the letter. Because obviously, (laughs) obviously they did. He says, quote, officials at the highest levels of the administration have denied for years that they ever referred to or considered the protests of parents at school board meetings to be domestic terrorism. But now we have confirmation that the letter from the National School Boards Association prompted the administration to put its top counterterrorism officials at the National Security Council and the DHS onto the case. If the gaslighting and obfuscation weren't bad enough, the use of counterterrorism tools in this context certainly raises the specter of the government trampling on the First Amendment rights of parents who were just trying to get the best for their kids. It takes a while, but this stuff comes out. So related to this, We've got uh, veto overrides coming in the North Carolina General Assembly. Don't know how many are going to succeed. I was talking with uh, Mark Garrison today as I uh, was coming into the building, and he was heading out. Mark Garrison is the news director at WBT. He was saying that there's some uh, scuttlebutt out of Raleigh that uh, there might be efforts among certain Republicans to to withhold their vote, or maybe they take a walk, because you can do that, by the way. If you take a walk, you leave the chamber. When the when the vote occurs this way, you're not for or against. You're just not there, right? And that happens when like guys don't want to take a vote on something controversial, so they'll, quote, take a walk. Anyway, um, there may be some Republicans that are withholding their veto override votes, in exchange for votes on other unrelated budget items. The things I can think of off the top of my head, you got the casino uh, provisions where, uh, you know, the Republicans in true conservative fashion are looking to expand casinos all over the state, but only in, you know, the, the parts that they want. 
uh, because it's different when they pick winners and losers. It's totally different. And then they also have the uh, NC Innovation Fund, where they want to put like a billion dollars into this thing, and uh, you know, and then like you know, use it to incentivize business. Because really, why should Governor Cooper be the only one picking winners and losers? Lawmakers would very much like to do that too. Maybe cut some ribbons, get some you know free media coverage as all you know, good conservative lawmakers do as well. So, um, they are, so there are some Republicans that might not be on board with these really, really conservative ideas. And so they're like, we may not vote for the veto overrides on some of these items. What are those items? What are they? Good question. I'll tell you what they are up next. All right, now you've heard me talk about them. Old Grouch's Military Surplus. They're expanding with more ways to get your hands on authentic U.S. military surplus items. Go to oldgrouch.com. Check out the links for the online auctions for rare finds and the vintage shop. Unique, really cool items from modern tactical gear to historical collectibles. Tim at Old Grouch's is always finding new stuff. When I started the podcast at the beginning of the pandemic, my first advertiser was Old Grouch's. If you enjoy the show and derive any value from it, I'm hoping that you will consider supporting one of the businesses that make it possible. Lots of gift ideas for that person who loves the military style for fashion or decor. There really is something for everyone at Old Grouch's Military Surplus in beautiful downtown Clyde and online at oldgrouch.com. Governor Roy Cooper. He has vetoed 14 bills so far this year, six of which are currently in the hands of the General Assembly. Both House and Senate chambers expected to hold override votes on all six bills today. But that could change. Um, it could change, but everyone's expecting it to occur. I think uh, some. it's going to be after this program ends, as I understand it. Let me go. Just, let me just double check here, see if they're... Mm, mm, yeah, okay, right. So I haven't seen any... Yeah, haven't seen any uh, movement on any of the overrides yet. So what are the bills? 219-488-5... No, I'm just kidding. I'm not going to... I'll tell you what the names of them are. There's the Charter School Omnibus, which is... It's a very large bus for the charter schools. They're all going to use this one bus. No, the Charter School Omnibus, right, it allows... It's it's a whole bunch of rules or, or you know, uh, loosening of rules and such. House Bill 219, going to loosen some rules, give charters more flexibility. So there's that. You got... Uh, Code Council Reorganization and Various Code Amendments. I, I don't know what that one is. The Fairness in Women's Sports Act. That is the one to protect female sports. And to say, no, men, these sports were designed and created for women. Girls' teams, girls' sports were for girls, were for women. That's their place. That's their space. You don't get to access it. You don't get... To compete against them, you don't get to take their tuition money. You don't get to, no, you don't get to do that. Um, Charter School Review Board, I believe that's the one, if I recall correctly, that is the one that uh, creates a different Charter School Review Board that is outside or out from underneath the, uh, or I think it's a new board actually, but it's not the State Board of Education. I think the State Board of Education right now is overseeing that, and that has presented some tension. So they're they're going to move because a lot there are people on the State Board of Ed that do not like charters. So they should not be in charge. If you don't, if you're not for charters, you should not be in the uh, role of approving charters. Well, charters. 
Right? You should not be the one to say yay or nay, thumbs up, thumbs down for charters. If you're opposed to charters, you shouldn't have that authority. Um, House Bill 808, gender transition for minors. This says that uh, all minors have to transition. No, I'm kidding. It's the opposite. It's, it says you don't, you, you can't do this stuff. You can't start transing kids under the age of 18. And then there's the Parents' Bill of Rights. In the House, all 72 Republican votes will be needed to meet the threshold, which is three-fifths, in order to override the veto. They have 72 votes, right? They have 72 Republicans. But if any of the members take a walk, then the number drops. So, for example, just for the math, and this is um, Alex Baltzigar, he at uh, uh, Carolina Journal. He, he gives you some of these numbers. I'm not going to go through all of them, but here's... Here's a good example of the way the math works out on this sort of thing. So if you have 120 members present, that's the total body, 120 House of Representatives, and 72 are Republican, right? The rest are Democrats. 72 are Republicans. That is three-fifths. That is the threshold. But if there's 119 members present, so somebody's absent, somebody's sick, they take a walk, whatever, have a dentist appointment, they leave. Well, three-fifths is still 72 votes. Now, if another person leaves, three-fifths then becomes 71 votes, right? And so if you're counting votes and you need every one of the 72 and one of those people leave, you now don't get the 72 because 119 members are present. You still need 72. You're, you're going to need somebody else to take a walk and somebody else that was a no vote. See, it's very, Tim Moore is dealing with some, a very tight margin here. Also, Carolina Journal points out that Reverend William Barber was seen meeting with Senate Minority Leader Dan Blue. Barber is, of course, the left-wing minister and social justice activist. He is known for organizing large protests, some of which have been considered threatening to staffers. So he's on site. Um, or it was at least, uh, was that yesterday? Sorry, Monday morning. Um, what else? The House Committee on Election Law and Campaign Finance Reform met yesterday. Very lengthy meeting. They discussed changes to Senate Bill 747, which is not about planes. It's about election law and changes. And so they made some more changes. And among Some of the changes, the bill makes early voting a unique method rather than a subset of absentee voting, which I fully support this. I fully support this. Early voting should not be the same category as absentee voting. They are different things. I am not absent, right? If I go to vote early, that is not absentee voting. Now, my understanding of it was way back in the day, like, what, 20-something years ago, about 20 years ago. I guess it would have been after 2000. Yeah, so I was here. Look, I remember sitting in Mecklenburg County Board of Elections office as they were going over the uh, the new voting machines and all that stuff after the hanging Chad debacle down in Florida. Yeah, that guy Chad got a bad rap. But the whole point here was that they made it very easy to vote early, and they coded those early votes as absentee voting because that's what – that was the way they could do it in the in the law. And I don't know, like, it doesn't make any sense to me. If you want absentee voting, 
then that's something where you're not able to show up at the polling place. But if I show up at the polling place, then that's and I'm doing it during the early voting period, then that should just be early voting. So they're gonna and that actually brings us into alignment with other states. That's how they handle the process. I'm on board with it. Also, um, the revised measure has 66 mentions of one-stop or one-stop absentee. Those are all stricken from the, the language. They're replaced simply with early voting, and it bans the use of ballot drop boxes. Outrage! I should be able to just walk up to a box someplace, throw my ballot in there, and just know with certainty that nobody will mess with that system. That's my right said the vote fraudster. The uh, The bill also incorporates some other reforms that clarify what election observers may and may not do at election sites, right? Um, it also makes some changes to same-day registration to remove ballots if the registration is not confirmed by a county election board's verification mailing, as it should be. Verification for same-day registration? Yes. Need to verify that. Absolutely. Absolutely. 